the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Triple B's, I'm the man. I'm leveled up in Super Sam. You said I can't, but I can't. Triple B's got the plan. Triple B's, I'm the man. I'm leveled up, I'm super sand. You said I can't, but I can't. Triple B's got the plan. Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the only thing scarier than your friend's tacky, basic-ass Halloween costume is the Lakers' efficiency numbers in the half court and Lonzo Ball's shooting percentages. Boo! Yikes! Boo to the Lakers! <laughs> I guess we can also tack on the possibility of the Dodgers season ending on Halloween night as well to that scary scenario. But, Alan, speaking of what? which... I know you're not very happy right now, but are you dressing up for Halloween? I hope no. you're at least dressing up as a happy Dodgers fan. Uh, I don't even know, man. Like, I've worn so many different combinations of Dodger gear and then refraining from wearing any Dodger stuff. At this point, I've completely debunked, like, superstitions in sports. So as far as what I'm going to wear tomorrow, I'm definitely not dressing up Halloween style because I can't focus any of my attention on anything else but the Dodger game. But I may sport a Dodger hat. Okay, cool. Well, I'll speak it into existence for you. Tomorrow, you will be dressing up as a happy Dodgers fan. There you fan. go. So there we go. We need LeVar Speaking Ball to it into that. existence. <laughs> we do, we do. Speaking of costumes, this weekend, I had a Halloween party. And as you know, I'm a very punny guy. So I, I'll, I'll see if you can figure out my costume. So I, I borrowed one of my friends. He's a dad. Uh, baby carriers, you know, the baby carriers that you strap on like a reverse backpack yeah, yeah, to your yeah. shoulders. And then you have the baby in there, right? Like a, almost like a kangaroo pouch. So I borrowed one of those, wore a backwards cap, some sh- comfortable shorts, and then put these five by five styrofoam cubes into the sack instead of a baby. <laughs> and then I stuffed a bunch of uh, sugar packets as well to become uh, sugar daddy. <laughs> Sugar Daddy! Oh, yeah. That actually was a hit. A lot of people were like, what is that? And then once they got, they're like, oh. I got a bunch of eye rolls and SMHs, but that's exactly the response I want whenever I do that kind of stuff. So If if a person expects anything else, then they're just in it for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) Exactly. Last year, I was uh, forking the road, so I made... I, I made I wore like a, a dark gray V-neck and then put the <laughs> parallel yellow lines leading up to the V-neck and then I just stuck one of those white plastic forks at the top of the V-neck oh and God. it fits because the V-neck the V-neck also splits into two roads right so yeah yeah I I always go for the super tacky very minimal effort but punny costume okay so so, so if the go. World Series weren't happening tomorrow and if I were going to some Halloween party. I know some people absolutely hate this thing, but I find it really damn funny. So you know those Mountain Dew commercials with the puppy monkey baby? Yep. <laughs> I would just dress up as that. <laughs> Straight up, dude. And puppy then just, monkey baby. just say that the whole night? <laughs> puppy monkey baby. <laughs> puppy monkey baby. <laughs> puppy monkey baby. Or you know what would be funny, too? 
if you had th- if a group of three friends, including you, and you guys are all puppy munchy pig feet, <laughs> so freaky, and then you dude. guys all just say it in succession on, in the line, like, wait, what are you guys? Puppy monkey baby. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I actually, I, I looked it up online. I'm like, do these costumes exist? And one does. I don't know how good it is. But uh, yeah, that that's what I would hypothetically be for Halloween. Exactly. So we are a Lakers podcast. Um, speaking of puppies and monkeys and babies. Speaking of <laughs> the Lakers need to start wearing some winning costumes like they did on Wednesday against the Washington Wizards when they wore those super nice light blue throwback jerseys because they not only looked good in them, but they played really well in them as well. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for the last two games against the Raptors and Utah, even though those were also very winnable games. And we'll get to that in a bit. Um, Today's episode, we are going to look over some interesting Lakers stats thus far. Or actually, yeah, we're going to look at some interesting Lakers stats thus far through the first two weeks and give our overarching early assessment on, on what we've seen from this Lakers team, what we've seen from Luke, how we think things are going, and if there are certain things we want to change, mainly rotations. We're going to be talking about rotations tonight. And also we're going to be looking at the team stats thus far, the player stats, uh, mainly Lonzo Balls. And we're going to be also looking at some other rookies in Lonzo Ball's class to see how he's faring with those guys as well. So before we get to that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many less minutes Luke will be giving both Tyler Ennis and Corey Brewer. So one rating interview equals one minute tacked off from both of their play times. And we know all Lakers fans want that to happen. More Josh Hart, please. Um, speaking of rating interviews, we're going to have Brooke Lopez, who needs to play better. We're going to have him read tonight's review. And as we've promised, we're going to read the review that got us past the 200 mark or got us to the 200 mark. So Alan slash Brooke Lopez, take it away. Alright guys, well, uh, number 200, I'm super stoked for this, I love you guys so much. This is by, uh, John underscore Azteca, uh, love the podcast, finally some diversity in the podcast realm. These guys are great because they're fluent in basketball, but they're crazy Laker fans like us common folk. I've a, I'm a long-time listener, and I've seen you guys improve gradually, always providing an entertaining product. Keep it up, boys. Lay off Randall. He's going to have an awesome year. P.S. Lonzo will dunk on D-Load this year. Awesome. Thank you, Brooke. Sounded like you were on some of that good good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. As I was going, I'm like, oh, this is getting kind of weird. I got to tone tone something down. I don't know. But either way, thank you for reading the review. Please hit some more threes and play better. Um, so now that we've crossed the 200 mark, thank you, John Azteca, for getting us to that 200 mark. Now that we've reached that goal and we're at 205, I think it only makes sense that our next goal be to reach 5,000 rating interviews. <laughs> yes, 5,000. We can do it. Why we would the number there. 300 pop in your mind? 5,000 it is. I believe in our, our listeners, don't you, Alan? Oh, of course. All day. All day, every day. 5,000. Let's get to that by December. Here we go. Uh, (laughs) December 2020. Exactly. And also, if you could please also consider donating a dollar, two dollars, three dollars as a one-time donation or as a monthly patron to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. That would also help us out a lot. Uh, With that said, Alan, you haven't been on the pod for about a week or so. Uh, The last podcast we did, Tommy and I were celebrating the Lakers' amazing game against the Wizards, where the Young Guns closed it out in overtime and really showed a lot of progress and maturity. Since then, um, it's been a kind of topsy-turvy, including the Raptors game where we were up by 17 and then relinquished the lead and then couldn't, you know, close it out. And then the Utah game where the Lakers started off really poorly and then got back into it the second half, but again, couldn't close it out with the young team. And with all that being said, and all of the, I guess, wonky rotations minute-wise, especially with regards to Julius Randle, I ask you, what have you seen from the last two games of the Lakers and just your overall impressions of the direction the team is going? We're going to delve into the deeper stats of how the team is doing, but I wanted to get your overarching impressions first. Well, let me first just preface this by saying that 
99% of my emotional investment over the last week or so has been on the Dodgers. I've seen, you know, all the Laker games, obviously. Um, I watched both of them on tape delay because I had to watch the World Series first. And I don't know about you, and I'm sure some people kind of feel the same way. Like, it, it's nice to fast forward through a basketball game because you can finish in like two hours. But for some reason, in my mind at least, it doesn't sink in quite as well as when I'm watching live. I don't know if you've sure. ever experienced yeah, that no, before. Yeah, no, exactly. It's almost like I need the commercials to process, you know? Um, so as I fast forward, yeah, I'm like paying attention and stuff. But when it's done, it just feels like I haven't really seen a complete game. So sorry if my thoughts are kind of scattered. And again, like my mood while watching the Laker game depended so much on the outcomes of the Dodger games. Um, so... As far as how I feel about the Lakers right now, uh, that Toronto game was really sad. <laughs> Obviously, like like you said, seventeen point lead and then blew it. Um, I really thought we had that one. I mean, I I predicted the first ten games of the season. Um, I thought we were gonna go two and eight, and um, yeah, like partway through that one, I thought, okay, shoot, like they might prove me wrong. They might get three wins within the first ten. Um, but I guess Toronto just essentially proved, you know, that they are, they're a vet team and, you know, DeMar DeRozan was doing his thing. So unfortunately we gave up that lead. Um, so that sucked. And then, uh, the game against Utah, you know, you got to figure on the second half of back to back on the freaking road and Utah of all places is not going to be pretty. And sure enough, it started out there without that way. It was super ugly. Um, I think we had 12 points in the first quarter and it was like super late. I don't remember how many minutes were left in the first, but at some point I was like, Oh my God, we only have 12. Um, and then yeah, like ended with 16. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just awful. I think I started that game at like one in the morning. So definitely going to be <laughs> foggy on this one. Um, but I mean, Rudy Gobert was just too much. Obviously the, the jazz controlled the glass and Lonzo talked about that after the game too. He, I think Lonzo only had like four rebounds, right? That's got to be like his lowest rebounding effort of the year, and, you know, for two. point guard. Oh, he only had two. He had four assists. Yep. That's right. Um, so yeah, obviously two rebounds is his lowest out, but usually he'll get two re- rebounds within the first few minutes of the game. Um, but yeah, he talked about how uh, Utah controlled the glass, and it's just extremely difficult for him to uh, grab the boards and push it the way he does. So as far as other teams. Uh, kind of learning how to defend us, I think watching Utah is uh, kind of a prime example for that. And it's Utah, right? So they're going to slow down the pace of the game, just run a lot of half-court offense. It was like slowest team versus one of the fastest teams in the league. Mm-hmm. So um, you had to expect a really low-scoring game. And, um, I mean, Lonzo was stroking the three, so like you got to give him credit for that. But we're going to get into his shooting woes, like you said. Um, overall... Yeah, I mean, the last two games were, like, disappointing for very different reasons. You know, one of them is you give up a huge lead against a veteran team, and you came off that win against Washington, which was lit, and then Utah was just kind of a dud overall, even though we came back. So, pretty rough, but like Lonzo said, or LaVar said, Lonzo doesn't lose often, (laughs) so hopefully he's (laughs) right when uh, they get back at it tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. I think my only takeaway from the Utah game was with... Even with how poorly they started, the fact that they were able to get back in the game in the second half and cut it down to like six points, and even in the fourth quarter, it was still a six-point game with around five minutes left, even after Donovan Mitchell had that absolutely nasty putback slam. That was so sick, dude. (laughs) I thought the game changed after that, you know, but they were somehow able to regroup again, even in spite of that. They just weren't able to take it, pull it it all the way through. They ended up, I mean, 15 points is not indicative of how close they were in the fourth because they were within six. Um, so it's good that they still had fight in them. I think right now the biggest concerns is how Luke is divvying up the minutes, right? And how it seems uneven. I think after the Washington game, Tommy and I were so impressed with Julius Randle, how he was playing on both ends and how even when he'd make boneheaded mistakes, mistakes on the offensive end, it didn't matter because he was playing so hard defensively, right? Whether it was on John Wall, blocking shots, using verticality, all that, he was like an asset on both ends of the floor to the point where you know, Larry Nance, who had 18 and 10, was on the bench and just had to clap, was clapping for Julius Randle and the rest of the team. So even after that, it was peculiar to see Julius Randle the next game only get 23 minutes in spite of the fact that he had 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. And then against Utah, it became even worse where Julius had 
18 minutes, 6.7 rebounds, and then Kyle Kuzma only had 22 all of a sudden, and I think in the Toronto game, Luke made a fatal error there in the fourth quarter when he put in the starting unit for a good three-minute bout. And that's yeah. when they, you know, and that's when he got so mad at them for not showing effort. And, and then he, he did the hockey substitution, right? Where he put in mm-hmm. a whole new group and, Line you know, change. Yeah. And granted that group actually brought in activity effort, cut it back down to six. But the fact that he didn't have Lonzo out there or Ingram or even the lineup that closed it out for the Wizards game was, I think, peculiar. And the fact that he, he even had the starters come in for that three minute stint was peculiar as well. And then against Utah, again, like I brought up, some questionable decisions with Julius Randle only getting 18 minutes, Kyle Kuzma only getting 22, and why is Tyler Ennis and Corey Brewer even getting any minutes at all is the question we want to ask now. Um, I think it's good that Josh Hart has been, I mean, Josh Hart had 16 minutes and he's been playing, I mean, the stats won't tell how good he looks, but he's energetic he's tough on defense he can drive it into the paint he's hitting his shots so I really like what I've seen from Josh Hart he was even better against Toronto 20 minutes four for four from the field nine points he's just a little scrappy dude you know like people were bringing up that Derek Fisher sort of mentality just super Mm -hmm. sound and tough and I like that for for Josh Hart and I hope he just takes all the minutes from Ennis which there should be no reason why Ennis is playing no reason why Corey Brewer is playing and I think the issue with me right now and look, here's here's what's going on. I feel like, and, and Tommy and I have been have gotten a little mad at Luke and and I guess the rest of the team for kind of dragging their heels because it feels like Luke Walton is having his preseason right now in terms of how he's divvying up the minutes. And a lot of that isn't his fault because, as we remember, Lonzo Ball did not play through much of preseason, so that kind of jumbled up what I guess what he wanted yep. to do initially. Like Brooke Lopez missed a lot of yeah, time. Exactly. And all that stuff, yeah. And then KCP was out for the first two games. So I think what we're seeing now is unfortunately, it looks like preseason yeah, rotation. He's experimenting seems, for sure. It seems really random, right? Where all of a sudden That's right, and Josh Hart didn't even play at all in the preseason. So now we're discovering, oh wow, this guy's really solid and decisive. Shoot, we gotta find him sometime. Yeah, so a lot of it seems arbitrary at times, and the fact that he doesn't know how to balance Julius Randle's minutes is really peculiar for me. He's found a spot for Julius Randle at the backup center position, which he played amazingly against the Wizards, and he tried that again the last two games, but the way it usually goes is, for some reason, he'll wait till like the two-minute mark of the first quarter, and sometimes like the one-minute mark of the third to bring Julius Randle back in. And then he'll either leave Julius Randle till the end of the buzzer, pretty much. And, or sometimes he'll yank Julius Randle with five minutes left in the fourth, like he did against Toronto. And for me, I, I would have thought that there would be a little more consistency and balance right. in the way he approached that instead of yanking him in and out. And, you know, why can't Julius Randle come in with five minutes left in the first, you know, or yeah, five right. minutes left in the third instead of like Julius Randle come in like a pretty spurt. much. Yeah, in four, in the fourth quarter and close the game for 12 straight minutes. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. a, there's a better way of giving him 25, and he should be getting at least 28 minutes, you know? A better way of balancing that out instead of um, just these full-on, like, 12-minute stretches. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty sporadic. Yeah, and, and I guess to Luke, I'm not, and I would. this is where you kind of get into sometimes the... It's process versus results, right? I'm sure Luke feels justified through this entire experiment because, look, the team's competing and we've been in every game pretty much outside of the Clippers game, right? So for him, it's like, well, I mean, why are you questioning my weird handling of the minutes? Because somehow we've been in the game in the fourth quarter, right? So, I mean, I guess that's tough to kind of question him, but I guess... I just think, in my opinion, this is going to be tough to sustain long term if you continue to kind of yank these guys' minutes around, especially guys like Julius Randle, who are very sensitive, you know, <laughs> and yeah. and you need him to stay engaged. And if he doesn't know one night to, to the next when he's coming in, whether he's only going to get 20 minutes in spite of the fact that he's been balling out and on both ends as well, um, it can be a little frustrating. And then the fact that, you know, the first unit has struggled offensively. so. Could there be a lineup change coming? Could we see Luke Walton insert Kyle Kuzma? How long will that take? You know, I think there's been a lot of questions with how Luke is currently handling it. I don't know if you'd say, like, we just need to continue to be patient because, like I said, this is preseason or we need to start, you know, 
taking more advantage of the time and time and, you know, having that time is of the essence mentality, because right now what's not working is the way we're starting games. And, you know, maybe if you put Julius Randle in there or even Kyle Kuzma to help the offense out, it might help because Brooke Lopez, is, unfortunately, is not getting it done. He has not been hitting his three pointers. Um, I think relative to big men, Ju- uh, Brooke Lopez is a good three point shooter, but in but by no means is he Kevin Love or, you know, yeah, what we he's thought not the guy be. that you want to rely on, you know, for your three point punch. That's for sure. If he finds himself, if he finds himself out there and it's within the flow of the offense, et cetera, like great. But to have him be the guy that, okay, we're like running a set for you to get open for three again, once in a while. Sure. Consistently, uh, not so much. Yeah. So I'll ask you outside of pretty much Lonzo ball and Brandon Ingram, who seem impervious to the minutes yanking. It seems like everybody else is up in the air. And I guess, what are your impressions on how Luke is handling things right now, rotation wise? And do you want to see any changes? I think just quickly for me, I think we have to give credit to Luke for getting these guys to compete defensively for sure. Hands down credit him for getting the guys to buy in because we're actually playing defense this year. And it's not just KCP doing that, you know, but offensively, and we'll get into the numbers soon. It's, been pretty bad and the way he's been divvying up the minutes and the rotations has been uh strange and in spite of the fact we've been in every game it's not going to be sustainable if these guys don't know their roles so yeah it would be really nice if we're going to like kind of work backwards here to have our closing unit be out on the floor for about the last five and a half to maybe seven minutes of the game you know because and you hear it all the time for such a young team Guys need to get up off that bench and sort of ease their way back into the flow of the game. It's really difficult to just flip it on like a switch when guys are 20 years old. Um, so that would be nice. I know um, we were playing the Pelicans on that Sunday afternoon, which at this point feels like a month ago. But <laughs> I remember having the same thought. Like, this unit's playing pretty well. The bench unit really got us back into the game. This is an insane game. And then we brought the starters back in and the offense, the offensive flow just kind of died. It was so much ball stopping and it took like, you know, 10 seconds left on the shot clock to kind of start running a set, which was only taking place on the strong side and everything just kind of fell apart from there. So, you know, this, this problem goes back, um, over a week now for sure. So that's definitely one thing, one thing I would like to see change and, one thing I do appreciate for sure with Luke's decision-making with the exception of Randall kind of getting spotty minutes and even Kuzma, um, yeah, he's going to play the guys who are playing well. And we've seen that for the most part, but then like you alluded to, well, what's up with Tyler Ennis and what's up with Corey Brewer coming in all of a sudden, Corey Brewer, maybe I give a little bit, just a little bit more leeway. If you're going to inject the energy, you know, Um, Because the guy does run the floor, and defensively he can muck things up, and that's really good. Ennis, on the other hand, uh, I mean, let's just hope that Luke is kind of being gracious toward him, you know? Um, Because at this point, Josh Hart, like you said, is rather steady. Granted, it's very early, he's a rookie, etc. But what impresses me most about Josh Hart is how decisive he is. He's not hesitant. If he's going to go and drive it in the paint because he sees an opportunity... He's going to do it. If he's going to jack up a three early in the shot clock because he's open, oddly, as a rookie, you kind of trust him to do those things. And it's very impressive that he has that edge to him. Um, As far as other players go, I think Kuzma should consistently be getting, like I said in our first episode, like in the high 20s, low 30s. Um, As far as Randall, I mean, he's gotten a lot better from those first few, few games where he was pissing us off. Um, that game against, God, it's all blending together because I haven't recorded with you guys in so long. It was against Washington, right? Where he balled out yeah. at the very end. Yeah, yeah, the block on. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. It's all coming back. Um, that was like a, a major turning point, it seems like. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, like you said, for him to get his minutes cut so significantly over the last couple games, um, yeah, it's just bizarre. And like, what kind of message, like you said, does it send a guy who has kind of a fragile ego? Not that you can be considering that all the time or whatever. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I think about it right now. Sorry again, my thoughts are super jumbled half the time I'm watching these games at midnight. Um, no, it's, it's all good. Um, I think, yeah, the problem right now is 
there there are some positives that have come out of the current starting unit, mainly the fact that and that and this is what I, it's not necessarily so much that I've been advocating that this starting lineup works and the way it's the way things are right now is working. It's just I don't really understand the opposition to it. I think we're starting to see the problems here with all of these slow starts, obviously, and I feel like the where Luke has gone wrong is how he's handled the end ends of games pretty much, like inserting the starting unit randomly in the fourth quarter and then that not working and then him doing the hockey subs right i think those are kind of lethal and fatal flaws that he's that he's made yeah it'd be really nice to like stagger (laughs) things just a little bit you know like get some different guys out there every now and then with each other and i mean he has done it to an extent you know he god again i forget which game it is but he was like yeah like i've never put that lineup it must have been washington um, he's like, I never had that lineup out there before to close the game. That was the first time those guys have run together and it happened to work out. So, right. I mean, in, in that sense, uh, I guess he has tinkered with it and he hasn't been like super stringent on his rotations. But again, that's just like one instance. Like you said, the hockey sub thing is, um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to, to know what exactly his logic is behind that. Yeah, I, I, I think. I think with Luke, you can always, at least I still give him the benefit of the doubt of eventually finding out the right thing to do. You just yeah. hope he'd do it sooner. You know what I mean? Like he'd have a little more yeah. common sense a little sooner. <laughs> like, I guess kind of like the that's Luau us Dang asking thing. a lot, but you know, it's You cool. know, like the Luau <laughs> Dang thing, we were like, why is Luau Dang in here at all? And he eventually wisened up and was like, okay, Luau Dang is out. Co- officially, yeah, yeah. completely. So I think he'll, he always eventually gets there. I think where fans are frustrated is why does he even have to go there in the first place? Which is a fair question to ask. But sure. like we said, sometimes coaches just have to tinker. Um, and I think right Maybe now. He's just, he's just too empathetic. <laughs> maybe he just gets people like he just understands people so so well that like that can get the better of him at times as opposed to looking at things very uh strategically instead you know yeah possibly i mean except for julius randall maybe but <laughs> yeah um, that's true <laughs> I, think, I think right now th- one of the positives is the fact that if you remember in preseason larry nance was giving us absolutely nothing off the bench until he decided to switch things up and put Larry Nance in the starting unit with Lonzo Ball. And then when he, once he got there with Lonzo, we found out that they're a pretty good pick-and-roll duo together. When he sets those hard screens and rolls to the basket, Lonzo gets in the ball, and he's able to make those highlight finishes. He's able to run the floor, and Lonzo Ball gives him those crazy touchdown outlet passes. So that's been working out well. And then also we found out that Julius Randle and Kyle Kuzma are a perfect duo on power forward and center from the bench, coming off the bench. So I think even with this first stint here, we've gotten that positive, knowing that Kyle Kuzma and Julius Randle are a great pairing that works well together. And also we're able to extract value from Larry Nance, where before, when he was coming off the bench, he was giving us absolutely zero. So at least in this case, you're like, oh, we are getting value from all of these guys, Larry Nance, Julius Randle, and Kyle Kuzma. And Julius Randle is one guy who's so tal- is is more talented and skilled than Larry Nance that even if you put him on the bench, he's going to produce, you know, because he's more talented. Larry Nance, I'm not so sure. You put him back on the bench without Lonzo Ball and he has to deal with Jordan Clarkson, I don't know if he's going to be able to find his way. He'll still be energetic and stuff, but he's not going to be able to put up 18 and 10 like he did against the Wizards with Lonzo Ball, right? So, yeah. I and I and I think again, you know, the first few games Five out of the six, we've been in those games. So I think for Luke, he may probably feel justified, even with all the tinkering, and say to himself, like, hey, I know how to motivate my own guys. They've still been giving me effort. I'm talking to them on the side, etc. We don't know what's going on, going on behind the scenes, right? I think as we enter into November, I think my hope is just that he starts to get himself set on a standard rotation, but also... In terms of, I think, standard rotation in terms of balancing out the minutes correctly so that guys don't feel night in, night out that it's going to be a create a wild ride for them. They won't know necessarily when they're going to come in or how long they're going to come in, etc. You know, and, and I'm speaking mainly for Julius Randle, but I hope he eventually gets set on a clear cut rotation. And then even within that, like we, like you said, that he learns to stagger them more instead of doing the hockey subs or instead of being rigid at times. So... Look, this is like Luke's second year coaching. It's still a learning process for him. And unfortunately, because of the way, and we've already, we've already reprimanded them for this in terms of starting out late. Um, the fact that, look, unfortunately, 
this is preseason for Luke Walton. We just have to hope that the process gets expedited from here. Because guys were injured, because guys were out, suspended, etc. It's kind of jumbled things a little bit. And we just have to hope moving forward that things kind of just, uh, you know, work themselves out and, and Luke settles in a little bit more. So I think we'll leave it at that and we'll go head straight into some specific stats to see how good or how bad the Lakers are looking. I think one thing that we can hang our hat on that is 100% true and that Luke has said is in training camp and preseason, they 100% focused on defense, right? Yep. And he yep. said, we haven't installed any offense. <laughs> so that is <laughs> pretty much the Lakers you this guys, season. You guys will see there is no offense. <laughs> so that is the Lakers this season. A lot of defense that we haven't seen actually in a while Unfortunately, offense still trailing behind in spite of how fast and how quickly the Lakers are playing. So I'm going to throw out some stats to you and you tell me what you what you think of them. So first, just the overarching stuff. Lakers are 30th in three point percentage. So dead last, I believe. Dude, so believable. (laughs) I would bet so much with someone. Yeah, so we are shooting an abysmal 27.8%. And given the fact that we lost D'Angelo Russell, Lou Williams, and Nick Young, three of our top three-point shooters last year, and only replaced them with subpar guys like KCP and Brooke Lopez, it makes sense that that our three-point percentage would dip. So that is a cause for concern, the fact that we have no real shooters on this team right now. Um, So... Moving on to more of the stats of what this team is currently doing. The Lakers are fourth in pace behind Brooklyn, Phoenix, and Orlando. They are right in front of Golden State. So they're playing at a blistering pace. Yeah. Also, with regards to fast break points, they are third behind Golden State, who averages 29 points, and then OKC, who averages 18 points. The Lakers average 16.8 points. That's fast break points. Obviously, cool. Golden State is is head, head and above everybody else at 29. But the fact that the Lakers are, you know, producing fast break points is great. Unfortunately, <laughs> with those fast break points, they are second in the league in turnovers with 16.4. Most of those coming in, you guessed it, the fast break. Yep. So it's like it's because they don't run much of a half court like there aren't really any moments where they would turn it over in the half court since the sets are um, rather simple well also on top of that is no matter how fast you're running and how many points you're producing on the fast break it also means you're not running the fast break as efficiently as you should so we're not doing it at an efficient way the way golden state or okc is doing it we're just doing it because That's what we like to do most of the time, like you just said. And unfortunately, our offensive efficiency is 29th. So, in spite of the fact that we are running really quickly, our pace is blistering, and we're getting fast break points, if we're not being efficient about it, and then in the half court, not producing any points on top of that, which is, you know, half court is going to be the majority of your gameplay, regardless of how fast you want to run, <laughs> that is not a good thing. You could argue that it's been ineffective. <laughs> it's been very ineffective. And, you know, the the Lakers, going off of the fast breaks, they are fifth in the league in points per possession in transition, which they run 20% of the time. Unfortunately, yeah. 80% of the time you're in the half court. Right, and right. in the half court, points per possession-wise, the Lakers are dead last at 30th. Not good, Bob. So... <laughs> I mean, we see these like flashy stats of like, oh, they're great in transition. They're playing really fast, but that's not the whole game. And yeah, it's we're like, not yeah, it's even. A lot of it, and even in the times that we're running really fast, we're turning the ball over. Guys aren't converting on layups. So, I mean, right now, I think they need it. One, install a better half court offense to be a safety valve for all that running and gunning. And then two, they need to be better at running and gunning. And a lot of that comes from guys just being better finishers, ball handlers, and also shooters because. We have not really seen a lot of fast break three point shots. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. a that's a staple Golden State kind of thing where it's like you have shooters as well as cutters. And right now the Lakers, I, I don't. Oh, we have a problem. Transition. We don't have any shooters. Right. So, <laughs> so we'll have to see how that's going to shake itself out. Maybe you can say Brooke Lopez is going to be better. KCP is going to be better. Lonzo Ball is going to be a better shooter. But the fact that we don't have a consistent pure shooter right now is a little worrisome to say the least. And maybe the Lakers will trade for one of those guys, or maybe they'll sign a guy 
off of the D-League or just someone who's a free agent. But that's definitely a cause for concern right now and also makes sense why it's been such a struggle for the Lakers offensively in spite of how fast they want to play. Now, defensively, like we've said, the Lakers have shown effort. They've been very active. And actually, remember when Tommy was like, his bold prediction for the season was the Lakers are going to finish 16th in defensive efficiency. And we're like, dude, are you sure you want to say that? <laughs> well, right now, the Lakers are 12th in defensive efficiency. Hey, That is an actual positive and something to be encouraged about. The fact that the guys are actually hustling. Lonzo Ball is being super feisty and active with his hands. Julius Randle, obviously, has sh- is showing how much he's worked on his body and how that's actually how he's actually applying that on the defensive end. Larry Nance is solid as ever. So that's been good that the guys have been actually showing effort and it seems like a lot better than in the preseason when they look like they were chickens with their heads cut off defensive scheme-wise, that there's a little more semblance of organization on that end, but more more so just the fact that they've brought the energy and the activity and they're contesting shots. So Yeah, I got yeah, man. I gotta say like just on the eyeball test, you can tell defensively this team has improved a ton. And it's it's interesting to see that, you know, in preseason they could look one way and then just a couple weeks in they can look completely different. So like you said, that's been a pleasant surprise. Um, I, I've really liked the way they've come out to start games on the defensive end. It just feels like everyone knows where to rotate and guys just are not taking defensive possessions off when, uh, over the last however many years, like that has been, um, a strong characteristic of our team. So really right now, a lot of the, if we can just take this defensive effort, continue to be consistent about it, continue to bring, bring forth that energy. And couple it with some sort of (laughs) offensive competence in terms of let's get some more schemes going to free up some shooters. Let's stop posting Larry Nance up for some reason. I don't know why we've been (laughs) seeing a lot of Larry Nance post-ups where he just kind of holds the ball for a good five seconds and waits for guys to like curl off of him instead of actually attacking if anything, if you're going to post up somebody, post up Brooke Lopez and let him go to Oh, Earth, for sure. Off- yeah, when we're in those jams, I would love to see Brooke Lopez get the ball on the block because he has made some really good moves over these last couple games. It's like, how the hell did he do that? You know, he does look really good down there. Um, I was going to say, you know, if we think about last year, granted, we had a very you know different personnel and we think of the types of sets Luke was running while some people have some some complaints about them. At least we can like identify, oh wow, look, they're running that again and that, and like we could kind of list them off. So it's not like Luke is incapable of coming up with stuff. Like we did it last year. So it's just a matter of time and when is he gonna install it. And um, you know, as much as we're talking like, wow, they do nothing on offense, it's not a matter of like Luke isn't creative, like you know, he's capable of showing something and we're not there, so we don't know exactly why that stuff hasn't happened yet. It's you know, probably dozens of reasons, quite frankly. Yeah, and I think if if you're going to get mad at something and complain at something right now before kind of jumping off the ledge, I think you should be complaining about how slow they've been in this process. You know, you could complain about, dude, it seems like he can't even get the scheme stuff going because he's still working out the rotation stuff. And a lot of people have pointed to the fact that does Luke have the right coaching staff around him? You know, he has a lot of Arizona boys, Arizona buddies. Um, is that working out? You know, so this might be kind of a stretch or like a really, really big stretch, and it might sound like I'm being such a homer. Do you think the fact that uh, preseason training camp was a couple weeks shorter makes a difference? Because I realize I mean, normally I... tonight or tomorrow would be game one of the regular season. Now, you could, of course, say, like, well, it's all relative. Like, you start a little, like, I don't know, like, this team started working out super early, so no, it doesn't make a difference, but. I mean, I don't know. Would there be any credibility to that argument, or could you debunk it pretty easily? I could debunk it pretty easily by saying yeah. they knew this way ahead of time. Like, they knew exactly. this last season right, that right. the season was going to start. And like you said, they've been in the gym 24-7. Did they not use some of that time in the offseason being there 24-7 to start implementing things, you know? I think the argument mainly lies in, you know, the injuries, the suspensions, and him really not shoring that rotation up fast enough. And I think... Yeah, you know, if 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 you're heading into November, mid-November and some of these things haven't been, you know, fixed yet or clarified, I think that's a problem. So I I hope 
I, I still give Luke the benefit of the doubt because like you said, we've seen the schemes. We've even seen it in, in crunch time, some of those schemes and out of out of bounds plays, you know, in yeah, effect. We've sure. seen those here and there sprinkled. That's here like and- where we're at our best offensively. The sideline and yeah. baseline out of bounds plays. We're we're pretty darn good. They just haven't happened on a consistent basis, especially when the guys, when the offense bogs down and the guys don't know what to do, right? And then most of the time we're just wondering, why is Larry Nance posting up? Why isn't Cal- <laughs> why is why isn't there easier plays being drawn up for Brandon Ingram or Kyle Kuzma? Does Brandon Ingram always have to have the ball in his hands? And then for Lonzo Ball, who's struggling offensively, why isn't he being played off guard? You know what I mean? Like, how come he can't get a lob here and there? How come he can't cut? Because right now he's struggling to produce off the dribble so Luke Walton help him out right and again I I think I go back to maybe it's just a process and he's just dragging his feet and we just have to complain more about that and just say Luke we know it seems like you're a coach that eventually adjusts but right now eventually is taking too long right um so I think that's where my worries lie right now and then the biggest thing is look unfortunately Luke is also dealing with a brand new team this year you know I mean Randall's there Brandon Ingram's there and Jordan Clarkson's there but Outside of those three, everybody else is new. He doesn't have D'Angelo Russell. He doesn't have the safety valves of Lou Williams and Nick Young to help him out, right, when the offense is bogged down. Um, it's a lot harder to rely on a guy like Brooke, Brooke Lopez who has to create space in the post where it's already there's so much traffic than it is for guys like D'Lo, Lou, and Nick Young who can create the offense on the perimeter and just shoot jump, jumpers, you know what I mean? So I think that's been another struggle. So we just have to see and continue to monitor Luke's progress as a coach and, and maybe and see whether or not he's a guy that can pick up the pace a little and, and adjust yeah. on the fly. Because right now it's taking a lot of time and you just hope that he'd use a little more um, common sense. But again, a lot of this is a, a part, part of the reason is also based off of the personnel and the team that the front office kind of constructed on the fly here, where, again, this season, unfortunately, is another stopgap year with Randall wondering what his future holds, Brooke Lopez wondering what his future holds, and KCP too, you know? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, like, given the personnel, because, I, I mean, I made the point, oh, last year they're running this type of set and da-da-da. It's like, well, we have a very, like you said, a very different team. And if the current personnel does not fit well with what we did last year for the most part, then you got to figure out something new. And, you know, Luke is not like a system coach who's just going to run what he runs regardless of who's on the team. He's going to tailor it to whatever our strengths are. And at this point, the big question is, what is this team's overarching strength? Like, okay, we can run for sure. We can run and we're doing that, obviously. But uh, yeah, other than that, like what does a half-court Lakers team look like right now? Well, if if Luke eventually starts tinkering with the lineup in a in a way that makes a little more sense and staggering it i think we'll see some better half court sets with obviously you want to have kyle kuzma and lonzo ball together because they're they're literally bffs in real life and they have great chemistry together you'd like to see julius randall at center because that's where he's played his best basketball on both ends small ball center and you know maybe have KCP in there and Brandon Ingram. I think that's our best lineup. That's also the lineup that closed out that Wizards game. Using utilizing that lineup more and not making fatal mistakes in the fourth quarter by bringing in the starting unit just because they need to be brought in. I think would help him out a lot. But it starts honestly with just get rid of Tyler Ennis, just get rid of Corey Brewer. Maybe use Corey <laughs> Brewer situationally, and I think that solves his problems, right? Um, but outside of that. I think the biggest thing, and this is why I'm not bringing up his name. You know where I'm going. I'm not bringing up his name (laughs) (laughs) to focus on him or to cry about him or bemoan this and that. It's honestly just about assessing the state of the Lakers. And this is why last year, or not last year, two months ago, (laughs) feels like last year. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we were like, Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell could potentially play really well together. Because they cover for each other's deficiencies. And as we're seeing, the way that Luke is getting these guys to play defensively, who's to say D'Angelo Russell can't fit into this defensive system? It's not like KCP's holding up the defense by himself. You know what I mean? And Lonzo Ball's been very competent on the defensive end. I don't think you D'Angelo Russell is such a terrible defender with his length that if you get him in this system, trying the way that these guys have been trying, that our defense would suffer dramatically. I know our offense would improve dramatically. That's one thing we do know is going to happen. And right now, D'Angelo Russell, 20 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.2 steals on 45% shooting. 
with a PER of 19.6. Per 36, 27.57. That is a guy who could really help the Lakers and also alleviate some of Lonzo Ball's concerns. And if you want Lonzo Ball to play off ball a little more, you, you'd you like a guy like D'Angelo Russell who can get him those passes. You know what I mean? KCP is not the one who's going to be able to get Lonzo Ball a lob or even Brandon Ingram and not even Jordan Clarkson, you know, to a consistent level. So I think that's where the frustration lies a little when we see D'Angelo balling out on this end and we see the deficiencies of the Lakers on offense. And I'm just like, oh, this could have been solved pretty easily. There's one guy over here who looks like he's getting 20 points out like in his sleep, you know, rolling out of bed. And for D'Angelo... This year, for him to get get him getting these points, it's effortless, man. It's like it requires him so little effort. And when I watch Brandon Ingram, who's supposed to be our supposed scorer, score 16 points, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, I feel like I'm wishing so hard for Brandon Ingram to just get 16 points. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, you can do it, buddy. And then once he gets 16, I'm like, ah, wow, it took a lot of work to get there. Where when you're watching D'Angelo, all of a sudden he has 15 in the second quarter or whatever, and then he easily gets to 20 because, one, his jump shot is just so easy to get off, and he just scores in bunches, you know? And for guys like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, it is a struggle. It's a, it's a trek to get to that point. So, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, without bringing up his name, I think regardless, we would want a guy who can be automatic offense for us. Um, a guy who could shoot the three ball at a high clip. Um, does D'Angelo fit those, you know, descriptions? <laughs> ding, <laughs> I'm not ding, gonna ding. say I'm not gonna say anything, but I mean, really, like, if and honestly, like, as I watch this team, and and this, this is not to say like, unlike you, I don't think about him, but as I watch, it's like, man, it would just be really nice if we had a person who we could rely on for for offense when we're stuck in a jam. And um, at this point, the fact that I think first to Brooke Lopez down on the block, I mean, that's a little unfortunate, you know, because that just isn't the way that we want to play. We don't want to stop the ball. Is that the reality of what we have? Yeah, I suppose it is. Um, We got to give Jordan Clarkson some credit for sure. He's had like one kind of off game. But other than that, like I said, whenever the heck the last time I recorded with you guys is like he put, together a really solid three game stretch let's see if he could do it for another three again he had one off night but the other two were really good so um he's another guy um that I think is in the mix to be that dude but as far as like him shooting from the perimeter there's definitely a lot to be the desired he's more of a slasher get to like eight to ten feet or so and like shoot a floater or fade away or whatever and um he's looked super under control which is great but um to your point that you were making I agree, and I think anyone would objectively say, without attaching that guy's name to things, we would love to have someone who shoots the ball really well and can create for himself. Any team would want that, you know? And then on top of it, also create for others if need be. This yeah, guy's averaging right. six assists, folks. And like I said, if we want to get Lonzo Ball in more off-ball situations, you better make sure you have another guard who can get him the ball without turning the ball over, you know? And right now we don't have we don't have another competent point guard, unfortunately. I mean, Josh Hart seems like the closest thing to it right now. Um, so I mean, it, it's it's definitely going to be up to Luke to try and rejigger things and find a combination that works or help Lonzo Ball become more aggressive and efficient. So just running down the stats really quickly, like you brought up Jordan Clarkson in 19 minutes, he's averaging 15.5 points, two rebounds, two assists on 49% shooting and 38% from three. So that is really great. You know, he's probably been our wow, most I underestimated his three point percentage for sure. Yeah, he's been very effective and efficient in limited minutes. You know, what yeah, What a yeah. stark contrast from Jordan Clarkson. Only 19 minutes and he's giving you this production, right? So that is very impressive. That's likely also due to the fact that we're playing so fast that he's able to put up so much points in such little time. He's also hitting 1.53s on that 38%. So that's great. Um, that makes me feel That makes me feel really good. <laughs> yeah. Like just good. going back to when we interviewed Drew Hanlon, shout out to Drew, uh, last year and we wanted to get all this inside of working out with, the, uh, with, uh, Jordan so much. So yeah, hearing all this and seeing him really start to figure it out, put it together consistently is great. Yep. It's about to get worse. So our go-to scorer, Brooke Lopez <laughs> in 23 minutes, 12.3 points, five rebounds, 1.3 blocks 
on 38% shooting from the field and 25% from three. He's not even hitting a three a game. So, I mean, therein lies the problem, right? When your go-to scorer is not producing yet. He's maybe had one really breakout game for us where he even scored like we thought he would. But outside of that, 12-5 is not going to get it done on 38% shooting, 25% from three. And you're supposed to be our go-to shooter and scorer. So, not how good. Long, how long do you think it's going to take him to get there? I think it's a matter of time. I really do. I think it's a matter of time, too. I just don't know how too. much time. I just, I just don't think that... The way this team wants to play now, I don't think I don't think he's going to be that twenty point scorer that we were, thought we yeah. were going to get. I just don't see how it's going to happen because there's not going to be a lot of times where he's going to be in the post that often. So he better be hitting his threes to get to that mark. So, so yeah, I think he'll be better. Obviously, there's nowhere to go but up from those numbers. Clearly, <laughs> but I, I think obviously I'm lowering my expectation of Brook to. Unfortunately, I don't want to bring this up, but to me, especially because it's another a rental year. This reminds me of an over-glorified version of Chris Kamen, where he was here for one year, he had moments where he had 20 and 10, and I was just like, oh, this feels kind of pointless, you know? Uh, Mm. He doesn't really fit what the team's doing. You know he can still fill it up, but obviously Brooke Lopez is better on all ends than Chris Kamen, but that's why I say feels like a glorified Chris Kamen kind of year, and by the end of it, maybe we're not even playing him 23 minutes, you know? So, But I do think he's going to be better than that. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., like I said, is actually producing, which is good, in 23 minutes, 10.7 points, 7 rebounds on 62% shooting, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks. Julius Randle's only getting 19 minutes, which, I, again, I think should be fixed, whether that means inserting him into the starting lineup or just balancing his minutes out more. 10.5 points, 5 rebounds, 60% shooting, which is great. You know, I think outside of the first two games where it was clear that Julius Randle was not ready to play. He's rebounded tremendously and he has been locked in. He hasn't complained and he's been producing. I think it's time for Luke to reward that. He's also has 1.2 blocks. It was all thanks to Boogie elbowing him in the chest that one game, dude. That really yeah, turned Julius on. Yeah, exactly. Kyle Kuzma has been solid as usual, probably been one of the most consistent players in only 27 minutes, 14, 5, 1.5. On 50% shooting, only shooting 25% from three, but the fact that he's able to score in so many ways, I'm not too worried about that. I think the three-point percentage will come along. He is hitting one three a game. Um, Brandon Ingram, 31 minutes, 15-4, 2.5-1 steal. Not bad, pretty much in line with what we thought he was going to get. 43% shooting, 30% from three, 70% free throws. Obviously, we'd like all of those percentages to bump up two percentage points or so. Um so Lonzo Ball, here we go. So the Phoenix game, obviously, he had that near triple-double, 29 points. But if we take away that game, Alan, do you want to know what his percentages are or his, his averages are if we take away the Phoenix game? As we know, Phoenix fired their coach, um, Earl Watson. Earl Watson, UCLA guy, darn. They've become more of an NBA team since then. <laughs> um, but if you take away that Phoenix game, that 29-11-9 game, Lonzo Ball would be averaging six points, six rebounds on on 23% shooting from the field and 21% from three. Now let's add in the Phoenix game. Six six, six assists. Okay. So if we add in the Phoenix game, we get to... And multiply it times two. (laughs) Why would we do that? (laughs) Just because. It was that impressive, man. I love it. 10 points, 7.5 assists... Or sorry, 7.5 rebounds, 7.7 assists, not bad. Yeah. 1.3 steals, not bad. 1.53 is not bad. Here's where it gets bad. 30% shooting from the field and 28% shooting from three with a PER of nine. <laughs> okay, so remember those numbers, 10, 7, 7, 30%, 28%, PER of nine. And he's doing this in 35 minutes, okay? Yeah. So let me run down some rookie comps. De'Aaron Fox with 27 minutes per game, 15-4-5, shooting from the field, 50% from three. He's only hitting 0.5, 92% free throws, PER 18.7. So much for him not being able to shoot. <laughs> exactly. Jason Tatum, 32 minutes per game, 15-6-2, from the field, 50% from three, hitting 1.3 a game. 86% free throws, one steal, one block, PER, 
Ben Simmons, we don't even need to go that far into it. You already know, 34 minutes. This guy is amazing. I'm not even including tonight's game where he had like 24, 9, and 7. He's averaging 17.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 9.5 assists, 51% from the field, 59% free throws, but that was expected. 1.7 steals, PER 22. Dennis Smith Jr., 30 minutes per game, 13-3, 6.6, from the field, 23% from three, which is not good. 45% free throws, which is not good either. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, one steal, but he does have a PER of 13.2. Josh Jackson, 25 minutes, 11, 3.3, half an assist a game. Not great percentages, 39% from the field. He is shooting 37% from three, hitting one a game, 1.8 steals. PER is the lowest of the bunch I've named so far at 10.7, but it is still better than Lonzo Ball's PER of nine. So... Well, first, what's your off-the-cuff reaction without giving too much analysis of that? Um, There's not a whole lot to analyze there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not to be, like, super down on him, you know. it's He plays so differently from all of them. Like, it's interesting to look at that data. And, I mean, as far as, like, the six points per game thing, it, it actually, for some reason, doesn't bother me too much. Because, and I know, like, his efficiency rating is low, but there's no doubt we're better with him on the floor. You know what I mean? Well, their numbers say differently. Yeah, I know. As I was saying that, I'm like, yeah, but I saw some stuff that said we are better without him. So, I mean, this isn't to say that we're... we're, Yeah, we're not down on the guy. we're We're not down on Lonzo. I just think there are clear areas that... Look, this is objectively not good, and he's going to need to improve sure. whether that's yeah. A no one could argue shift. that this stuff is good, other than like the assists and the rebounds are they're fine, but yeah, but this is like historically low percentages for someone that is averaging thirty five minutes per game, you know, and you can't really go to that Lonzo effect kind of stuff. Yes, are the outlet passes amazing? Yes, is he finding his teammates? Yes, but we've seen in moments, and I think you brought up the New Orleans game, right, where you said they brought back in the starters. Um, actually they brought Lonzo ball back in and took Brandon Ingram out. And that's when they lost offensive flow. And a large part of that too, is Lonzo was cold coming in. But if Lonzo ball is not going to be a plus for himself in terms of being aggressive and at least being more efficient to find his own shot, whether it's hitting his three point shot or going to the cup a little more strongly and more aggressively, that's the finish layups. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Cause he's got it there. Yeah, he's he's going up almost anticipating that he's going to be blocked, you know, instead of trying to find contact or even get a foul call if, if he's not able to convert. And as we see, you can't you can't be a 30 percent shooter. This is like Ricky Rubio coming out of the league was not this bad percentage wise. You know what I mean? And if, if you're talking about offensive struggles and trying to find guys, if nobody else around you can really score that well, too, you kind of have to put the onus on yourself to be a little more aggressive as well. And not only aggressive, but. Lonzo Ball has to improve his efficiency, whether it's, you know, four for nine, the Phoenix game, that was the extent of his three-point efficiency. Outside of that, he has not been hitting the shot that he's been taking the most of, you know? Yeah. So he's going to have to improve on that end if we want to see dividends and progress offensively and for things to turn around on that end first and foremost. Yes, the assists are there, like the the passing is there and the... Um, the culture of the energy finding ball and the guys moving the ball around is there, but that's only going to take you to a certain extent if your lead point guard is not at least being efficient and at least not and at least knocking down some three point shots, you know. And then on top of that, just when he drives it into the paint, looking to score a little bit more so that it puts more pressure on the defense. So, you know, and I think it's bizarre these on off numbers because. There have been on-off numbers for Kuzma, Ingram, and Randall when Lonzo's on the court with them versus when he's off. And they are really strange. I mean, maybe it's just an early season kind of thing. And maybe given the fact that Lonzo Ball plays so much of the game, 35 minutes per game, he's probably going to have bad on-off numbers regardless because he's there with the good guys and with the bad guys as well in terms of lineups that don't work. As we've stated before, we want to see changes in that starting lineup, and he's in there a lot with those guys, so maybe that's what's bringing it down. But just the fact that the offensive rating for the Lakers when they have Kuzma in the game without Lonzo Ball, with Lonzo Ball, Ingram in the game with Lonzo Ball, without Lonzo Ball, I mean, 
whenever Lonzo Ball's in the game with these guys, they're off. The Lakers' offensive rating is in the nineties, and their defensive rating is all worse. And then the net rating of those t- those lineups is in the negatives. When he's off, all of these guys' offensive ratings jump to 107, 112, 123. That's for Kuzma, Ingram, and Randall. And then the net rating is all in the positives as opposed to the negatives. So I'm not really sure what to attribute that to, but I'm not going to say it's Lonzo's fault at all or anything like that. But I think the overarching summary that I want to see here is we need Lonzo Ball to improve offensively. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to say on that end. Yeah, I mean, I think... Like we mentioned it before, one of the keys for him is being aggressive and kind of looking for his own a little bit more. And I don't mean by shooting more three-pointers. I mean, get into the paint. He has showed us that he's got a floater. You know, we talked about that before he was even drafted by us, that he didn't do the floater much at UCLA, but when he did, it was effective. And um, I think if he can kind of get that push shot where he's just below the free throw line, that would help open things up a little bit more for him just because people aren't really expecting him to do that. Um, every now and then he he gets to the cup right there, and he kind of like switches it over to his left hand pretty much every single time. Um, I think that's something that he could take advantage of more for sure. Uh, and then from there, you kind of have that psychological factor of, okay, you saw the ball go through the net. You're going to get in a little rhythm. You got to hope that some of those outside shots are going to fall for you. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like he does need to improve offensively for sure. And, uh, once he just kind of finds his groove in a sense, I mean, obviously you got to hope that that's going to solve a lot of, uh, our team's different issues on the offensive end. Yeah, I agree. And man, it would have been nice to have another guy next to him to take the slack off of that <laughs> offensive pressure. But unfortunately, it's learning time. I mean, he's even gonna have for, to... for that matter, like, and I know, like, he's a different player from that guy we're talking about. But, like, can you imagine him with, with Nick Young, quite frankly? Yeah. That would have been awesome. Anybody who can shoot, you know? really. So yeah, I think... yeah. Nick Young, Lou Williams, like, all of our scorers, just anybody, including that guy, <laughs> um, yep. would have been amazing to see. It's just this personnel right now. The fit is uh, not not ideal so just gotta tinker around with it like a puzzle and see what happens yeah and i think that goes for luke as well as the front office in terms of what they want to do at the trade deadline this year whether it's signing some guys trading some guys getting some shooters in you know i think they thought kcp and brooke lopez would be it but it's not happening at a consistent level obviously it's going to take some internal improvement from everyone but mostly again we're just looking at the numbers and objectively this is not good and lonzo ball has to improve in spite of the fact that obviously the eye test with him is is usually better even though at ucla remember it was all about the analytics and stats that were a darling to lonzo ball and i guess in the nba for the first time the analytics actually don't support that so um he is definitely going to have to improve this is i'll leave this one last stat here that you know we can continue to monitor and see whether there's actually any merit to it the lakers 29th ranked offense is 17.4 points worse per 100 possessions with lonzo ball on the floor and then the Lakers' 108 offensive rating with Lonzo Ball on the bench would be sixth league-wide. So that's a little strange. Maybe you just chalk that up to the fact that that he's on the floor so much of the time that it's going to you know, yeah. deviate a little. But yeah, I don't know. Could something to monitor. I think at the end of the day, Lonzo Ball needs to improve and our shooters who are supposed to be quote-unquote shooters need to actually, we need to take the quotes off. <laughs> they, need to, they just need to be shooters. <laughs> they need to become, for Halloween, an actual shooter, wear that costume so that we can have better <laughs> offense. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to say. Uh, nah, I'm good. I mean, it's almost time for me to devote 100% of my sports self to the Lakers. <laughs> Yeah, well, we we can start with the Dodgers winning tomorrow and then hopefully in a Game 7, closing it out. We're going to speak it into existence. Good vibes. Hope everyone has a happy Halloween. You know, this is the Lakers state right now. It's just two weeks in, but we do hope that things move a little quicker than it has been so that we can, you know, it's funny, that we can align things defensively. Like, what? When does that ever happen? Yes. <laughs> align things with our defensive effort and defensive efficiency so there we go thank you guys for listening once again please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate and review us on itunes the more you rate and review us that is a percentage point more we'll get all of these guys three point percentages up by so 
God knows we need the help. You know, 27% as a team. Let's get rating and review so we get that 1% up, 2% up, 3% up, etc., etc. All right, Alan, I will let you go. Go Dodgers, go. Go Dodgers, indeed. All right. Catch you later. All right, bye. Peace. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.